I'm used to going out in the world and people looking at me in the eyes Hello or looking welcome. at my body or looking podcast. at my legs. Like I'm used on? to knowing where the attention is going to shift, but as a welcome pregnant person, it's back. literally right, always to the mm-hmm. belly. So How they're automatically sure registering you, not yes, as a woman, but like as a vessel for, for another life. Like Three you're interviews secondary today. secondary in those moments. I'm like, wow, <laughs> like, I don't feel desired. Fun. And it was a pandemic too. I'm so there was no flirtatious energy from the world. It just felt asexual. Very and then on top of that, my partner also was saying to me, like, I don't enjoy really, our sexual really time fun, together. So that was I mean, a difficult period to go through. maintaining energy through conversation is an art. It's truly an art. Mm-hmm. Today has been very, it's the interviews we've had have been very energy giving. Yes. Life giving. For life sure. Giving lately. And, and I feel like every conversation, well, not every, but every, there's a potential where like you can kind of control and yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It might not be interesting. Everyone listening, you guys have potential. <laughs> You all have potential <laughs> that we can control. <laughs> but it's like, how do I bring it out in myself rather than allow mm-hmm. the other to maybe suck my energy, which doesn't happen mm-hmm. very often at all. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right. Tell me more. <laughs> because I think sometimes I'm very much someone that's like, oh, I'm just going to hang out by myself. But it's usually to protect my mm. energy because I get energy by being alone. Mm-hmm. But when I'm with people, I'm playing with, okay, how can I, how can I get energy from people? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. am I, am I contributing to the drain mm-hmm. of energy? Am I giving too much? Am I giving too little? Am mm-hmm. I not being myself? Mm-hmm. Not being myself yeah, is very that's exhausting. Huge. That's huge. Yeah, I feel... It's nice that it says our own show, so we can kind of be in that. But it was beautiful. So Shan, who's on the podcast today, mm-hmm. a friend of a friend of ours, when she came in, I was just reminded of how natural she is. Yes. It is Unreal. so it's just such a key element to success and to her success is how natural she is. Mm-hmm. It's like easy to talk to out there, easy to talk to the whole time. We're hanging out, we're cool you know, interview, it's like just full conversation that's natural and truthful and honest the entire time. Yeah. The creation of content with her is seamless. Yes. You know, there's no, and I'm sure she has anxieties, but there's no like anxieties around, okay, we're getting on a mic now and we're going to be in front of a camera now. And she's just who she is wherever she goes. Because that happens. You know, we had an interview earlier this week where this person wasn't on the mic a lot and you can tell there's like a switch right away where they, you know, you kind of feel uncomfortable and you do feel uncomfortable when you really think about it. But for someone that is so seasoned, I mean, it was so good to catch up. And honestly, every time I watch her YouTube videos, I'm obsessed with how Jared just rolls with it all. I know. Like, she was like, just convince Sean to be on everything. I was like, oh, you have wow. no idea. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> well, it's hard. Like, It's hard. The conver- it's so funny. Like the conversations they have, it's like, yeah, maybe we should have had anal more, you know, know, instead of something. And you're just like, yo, because it's people are so scared to talk about it. Yes. But talking about it is some of the most important thing. And Shan came on the show probably three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about sex and relationships. And it was just so amazing. And then she did our live show. So she did our live show in LA in the end of 2019, I believe. Yep. Or maybe even December, December, Mm -hmm. uh, which was so powerful. And then sort of everything shut down. She's now in a house. She now has a baby. She has a husband and she's really just evolved her life in such a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved how, and I feel like just in knowing you and knowing your your experience with, but it's like the things you have resistance to yes. are some of the things that like 
one, teach you the most, but also yes. are just like the most beautiful parts of your life now, yes. you know, whether it's marriage and with yes. her, it was marriage and, and having a child and like so all true. of these things. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I noticed that even in friends or people, you know, it's like whenever someone's like, ugh, like whenever you're kind of like, ugh, about something, it's mm-hmm. like, well, what is that? Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, cause I was so about marriage. I was like, ugh, not like, I was just like, this is just corny. Mm-hmm. And it's just... Well, you're very much against the grain in a lot of ways. So I think yes. like to do something that like, quote, everyone does. Yes. Feels cheesy. Doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. And so you have to redefine it. But I do, there is something to that. But she's, we talked about her evolution and really how they were in, uh, Jared, her husband was a fuck buddy. And then they were in an open relationship for quite some time. She did a lot of videos on that. And then now they obviously moved into marriage and having babies. And she's really been able to let herself evolve mm-hmm. through it all very publicly. Yes. Which is really hard. But there's an energy that she carries that makes it not a big deal. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I said that. Which she's I like, like to be around. Yes. She's like, I'm glad I've changed. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's part of what it is. I was perfect for how I needed to be at the time and I'm perfect for how I need to be now. And I was like, damn, Mm -hmm. it's that easy. Yeah. There is something to how she approaches all of these topics. That is like very new paradigm shifty where it's Mm -hmm. like, people are like, oh, wow, I can do that. That is possible. I can talk about this. I don't have to be ashamed of this. I can, you know, have my moments in motherhood that are just like, I'm on the floor and not feeling it, but then I can have my moments where I'm really like loving it and sharing Mm -hmm. that with the world. Yes. Yeah. She's not open for business about motherhood. Yeah. By the way, we (laughs) talked, so we did her podcast first, which is on Sirius. And we talked about, um, marriage Mm -hmm. and like whether like pressuring the man for marriage. And I love that she was like, Oh, I pressured Jared. I was incredibly like forthcoming. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was like really cool. I'm like, Oh, I did. And I'm cool and chill. And I, but it was funny because she's like, I love your ring. I'm like, oh yeah, I basically designed it myself. Like I <laughs> was like, oh, here's the designer. Here's how we're mm-hmm. going to make the ring. We had the ring for over a year mm-hmm. before we proposed. But I was like, oh, I actually wasn't as chill as I thought. I was chill. You know, that's a spectrum. It's I a feel spectrum. like you were, you were pretty chill, but there's also something too, and I didn't think about this, but like, yeah, knowing that you design the ring and it's done and it's made and he has it. And then you're like, so when? Uh, that's it. I just, that's the thing is with designing the ring, I loved that I did that. But also it's not, I, the whole thing, maybe it shouldn't be a surprise because it's just like stressful. You're like, okay. Maybe the engagement shouldn't be a surprise. Yes. Yeah, Cause totally. Because like in this, in our episode, Shan talks about with hers where she thought it was happening a few different times. Oh my God. And it's just like <laughs> absolute torture. But it was an interesting conversation because I never thought she would have pressured in her own words, mm-hmm. Jared to get engaged. Mm-hmm. I like she's the same so thing. independent and cool and chill. And then she's like, no, like I really wanted to get married. Like it was like, I was like whoa. And she was feeling pressure. Yes. From her friends, family. And just as like a, so basically with what Shan does, she's talking about relationships and sex and those dynamics and to be someone that is an expert in this field and not be married mm-hmm. was commented upon by mm-hmm. a lot of people, not a lot, not the majority, but people. And it really bothered her. And that wasn't the sole reason why she wanted to get married, but she's like, yeah, it's, it like legitimizes our relationship and me. <laughs> yes. It's like, um, who was the person that 
uh, millionaire matchmaker. Oh, it's Patty. Patty Stanger. Wow. Do you guys remember that show? And the beef everyone had with her was that she was never married. Because mm-hmm. she would be engaged. She had like giant heart-shaped engagement rings. Yes. Like very wild. But she was never married. And it is a thing when you're in that field, people expect you to be. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because some of the men that are relationship experts. I know. The, the more player, the better. Yes. It's part of the whole drive. Yes. Well, it's because the women the are actually working for their approval. Yes. That is the exact thing. They think they're going to date them or yes. get approval from them yes. or connect with them. And the appeal is there to get advice from them. It's like the carrot. They're like, if I do this program or course or listen to this dating expert, then eventually he'll see me or something. Yeah. Something weird. We should. I'm going to do a documentary. I'm going to do a documentary breaking down. Exposing. Exposing. (laughs) Which is, that is obviously not true for everyone, but I've always thought that was like kind of interesting. But there is a pressure more so for women. Like, oh, where's your husband then? If you're a dating coach, relationship expert, Mm -hmm. you almost have to have the perfect relationship to be seen as serious. When I, for a man, I don't know if that, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. And I just love talking to her about her relationship and, you know, the, the concept of an open relationship. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, I think people hear that and they're like, oh, you can fuck other people. Yes. But there are definitely different levels of an open relationship and she describes hers. And when she said it out loud, I was like, hmm, like, I don't know, that's not extreme. And I, Actually, I, I don't desire that right now, but I'm like, that for me does not like tarnish the core of the relationship. If you're flirting with someone or like mm-hmm. having an intellectual relationship yes. where you're like deeply connected in that way. Yeah, I think people define it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people might not be cool with flirting. Some people- Totally. There was this, I had a moment. Well, I, you guys know I listen to Christian rock now. Mm-hmm. So the, one of the Christian rock artists- this is a funny thing about me. I just, I get interested in things and I just, I just follow, you go follow my heart. Throttle. So I was listening to this Christian rock artist and his wife did a live and she was saying one of their boundaries was not to pray over another person. And so she's like, I don't feel comfortable with you praying over another person. A woman in particular? Yes, a, any woman. So in, in church, you cannot pray over another woman. So if a woman came up to him, so I think in these type of church, I don't know. Okay. I think in these type of churches, they're very churchy where they're like praying over, over where you're like, God, you know. Okay, God. <laughs> I'm like, show me. Like a form of Reiki <laughs> or you're like putting your hands on their shoulders yes. or their head or something. Okay. I have okay. no idea. That's the extent was hearing that interesting sentiment. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting boundary. Yeah. It's not a boundary it's an that i intimacy I'm- for her. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I would never have that boundary, but, and I don't, you know, mm. people can do whatever works for them. But I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then, so with Shan's open relationship, it's like she can flirt, they can have intellectual, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just kind of being more fluid. And this sort of freedom has really given them the ability to show up in the relationship as themselves, as being independent and all these things. And so she's really reclaiming, taking back, defining the relationship to be what it should be for you. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be open in any way. It can be open in some ways. It can be, you know, in sexual ways. It can be open in others. But yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. I guess, would you say what, in what ways would you say your relationship's open? (laughs) 
Oh, did I say it was open? Okay, so if she defines oh, it, okay. you can flirt oh, oh, with people. Oh, 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 like if I were to define an yes. open relationship. Ooh. <laughs> did I say it's open? I think it's really funny and Sean doesn't believe me, but like ever since being together this most recent time, I'm really not attracted to other guys. And mm-hmm. that might change. That mm-hmm. might change where I'm mm-hmm. like attracted to other people, mm-hmm. but like obviously don't pursue that, but I'm really not. But I do, I think flirting, mm-hmm. like innocently flirting, I don't know. To me, like she mentioned that she, part of their open relationship is having like a dinner. Yeah. But like Sean has dinner with like, girls yeah. all the time and guys all the time, like yeah. one-on-one. So yeah. I'm like, I don't even know if I can instate like- I don't think that's no. a bad, I, I'm not okay. I'm okay with that, I think. I'm okay with it. But there's like an intimacy to that. For sure. So if there is this- It's funny, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm like, Justin never leaves. <laughs> like, dude, like, this is like, I'm like, I'm cool. I'm like, I try, like, try and get him to leave the house. He's like, <laughs> like I'm like, please. He's like your Siamese twin. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> dude. I'm like- yeah, I think I think flirting. Yeah, I think intellectual because I'm not going to be everything for him. Yeah. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he is such an that. intellectual that like yes, I can definitely connect with him on so many things, but I do feel like and especially like being in a biracial relationship, like I'm not going to connect with him on being black. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know what facts. I mean? There could be an intimacy there that might That's help huge. and feed him, which he does have a lot of girlfriends and um, and he's always like very upfront and in, like introducing me to them and yeah. stuff, you know, but I feel like that would be okay. I just don't have that urge right now, but maybe, maybe well. I think the, in, I think the intellectual thing is cool. I think dinner's cool. I think flirting's cool. I think. <laughs> Go one step I think, further. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I think fucking's cool. Yeah, I think anal's cool. <laughs> no, yeah, I think anything but sex. I don't know. Kissing? Yeah, anything but sex. Kissing, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, no. No, no. Okay, so say kissing. Sometimes when I'm in the shower, I'm like, I'll think about that. I'm like, what if I walked in and he was just kissing someone else or something? <laughs> like, I, yeah, have you ever done that? I just thought been you were like, going to say like you, you like pretend you're kissing someone else on the little shower door or something. <laughs> I'm making out with like my shampoo bottle. No, I just will imagine. I'm like, what if I walked? Yeah. You know how women do that? We're like psychopaths. We're like, what if totally. I walked in my house and he was throwing some woman on the dining room table <laughs> and fucking her? You know, you just like, you, we torture ourselves. Like we literally yes. come up with fantastical ideas and torture ourselves. I don't know how I feel. We'll, we'll have a conversation about it tonight and see. Justin, and it's funny because I'd be like, I'm cool with whatever. Justin would be like, I am on a tight leash. <laughs> if you asked him, he'd be like, I am not able to do anything. <laughs> like, it's like <laughs> very, varying discrepancy. Sometimes I think, because Sean has never dated my type. Hmm. His type is very different than me. Really? Uh, yes. And so sometimes I get that, that like, not that he makes me feel that way. It's literally in my own head. But I'm like, huh. I'm like, I wonder if, like he desires that type and mm. whether I should just, you know, let him roam with that type every once in a while. <laughs> yes, 100%. You like wake up in the morning See and you're like, he'd like. be happier with that type. <laughs> <laughs> That's another fantastical fantasy. Mm. Justin says, he's like, I don't have a type. Mm. Like I, I have a type. He's like, my only type is hot girl. I'm like, a boo, wrong answer. <laughs> That's a big old boo. <laughs> I'm like, er, boop, boop, back it up, I- start over. I don't know what, I feel like my type is, has more of that, like the swag of yes. the type rather than 
hair color, this, you know, it's, it's like. It's a swag. It's factual. It's swag. It's yeah. a move. It's a. Mm-hmm. It's a movement. Yeah. <laughs> It's a movement the that's, that starts the at pants. six two. <laughs> it's a movement that begins at six foot two. <laughs> also, every it's every short. All my short friends who are like five uh, one are like, I love tall. I'm like five eight. Yeah, literally. You don't need to go you that tall. Leave some for tall, us, honey. <laughs> big girls need big guys. Okay. Let's have it. All right, let's get into this episode with Shan, one of our dear friends. She's Shan Booty um, online. She wrote the book, The Game of Desire. It's incredible. You can listen to the other episodes we did together. You can search Shan Booty Almost 30. And her uh, new podcast is coming out in August. It's called Lovers and Friends. It's on Sirius XM Radio. I'm so excited for her. And if you're not subscribed to her YouTube, please run subscribe. Her videos are our favorite. Yeah. Favorite. They're incredible. She's so open, her and her husband. Mm -hmm. And we're just such huge fans of her. So- Enjoy this one with Shan, and we will see you guys at camp. Camp is happening in four freaking days. We have thousands and thousands of you registered for camp. It's going to be incredible. It's all free. It's a free day, basically masterclass with some of the best in the biz. Yeah. Roddy Devlukia Shetty. We have Debbie Brown, Africa Brooke, Terry Cole, Aaron Abke, Lindsay and myself, Jazz the Moon Mother, some more from Yoga Wake Up. Mm-hmm. Damn, you got them. I feel like you got them all. I got them. I think, oh, Elisa Romeo from Elisa Meet Your Soul. Romeo. Um, and we have, oh, Adriana Ayales mm-hmm. from Anima Mundi. So it's sponsored by Anima Mundi Herbals, which is a beautiful herbal company, Yoga Wake Up, and then Issue, which is mm-hmm. our creative platform of choice. Yoga Wake Up is a really powerful yoga company for your phone, and it's just going to be the best. We cannot wait to see you guys on Saturday, July 24th. It is free. So go to almost30.com slash camp and you can sign up. Space is limited. It is going to be on Zoom all day. And trust me, you will you will feel the buzz, the mm-hmm. connection, the high, even though it's virtual. This is like our highest we've ever felt yeah. at an event. It's, it's truly crazy incredible. how expansive it is. Yeah. So can't wait to see you. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to Almost 30 anywhere you listen to podcasts or our new episodes are in your inbox every single week. Enjoy this one. Enjoy. All right. So we were talking about <laughs> newfound mommyhood. Yeah. The mommy, Shan Boudram the is mommy here. peanut gallery. <laughs> Oh, it's not a peanut gallery. It is a, I want to say marching band. It's not. It's like, <laughs> I don't watch enough war movies, but you know when they've an got infiltry. like- An infiltry. An infiltry. <laughs> Are we in love? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a mommy infiltry. It was nuts. Because we're accustomed to getting people's opinions for a living. Sure. And as we were stating, I'm grateful for that. I am nothing without the people's- uh, approval. Mm-hmm. So I need to know what people, what people are thinking, what they like, what they don't like. So I'm very clear about that, that a big part of my job is to be a great listener to my audience. However, it's not part of my mommy job, right? Like my, mm. my role as a mother is to nurture and care for my particular child based on her unique needs. Like there, mm. there's billions of us on this planet. So we all know there's no one size fits all to anybody, especially when it comes to child rearing and raising somebody. There's a million different factors at play. So that's a specific area that I didn't necessarily feel like I was interested in the opinions of strangers who had very limited information on my health, 
my child's health, my goals for my children, my environment, et cetera. On top of that, my mom um, is a labor and delivery nurse and was for decades. So I always have trusted her when it comes to that. My sister is an incredible mom. Jared has a mom and a stepmom. We are just surrounded by uh, matriarchal women and, or my dad even. like I was surrounded by people who were giving me parent advice as, an, as is. So the one area I said for my audience, like I'm actually not looking to you for this. I'm not, I'm not curious in that way. And if I was... First line of defense is my family. Second line of defense is going to be Google or maybe my doctors. So when I had the baby, I just, it was as if people were jumping over an electric barbed wire fence to tell me what to do. Like the, and it was like frothing at the mouth to be like, don't do this, do that. The baby's hungry. And oh my gosh, that was the, the amount of comments you're going to get about the baby being hungry as if that doesn't, fucking occur to everybody when a child is crying like she's crying because she's hungry like yeah we when you're seeing 15 seconds on an instagram story you were not present for the other however many seconds a day it makes up aside from that so yeah that was the most extreme level of the need Mm -hmm. to give feedback i've ever experienced in any arena i was just not prepared for that but i will say that i was really aggressive about fighting back and being very clear like Hey, my comments and my Instagram stories are turned off for a reason because my Instagram stories is not a place where I'm usually putting out professional content. It's more of just a casual look into my life. My professional content, you know, I want your comments. That's why there's a comment section. So notice there's no comment section in my stories. So that's where my my baby's showing up. So please respect that. And two, if you're unclear, I'm gonna let you know. I don't give a fuck what you think. Mm -hmm. I don't want your opinions. I don't want your advice. I don't want your input. You have too little information Mm -hmm. um, for me to take on what you have to say. And even if, don't get me wrong, there are going to be people who have gems. I'm not willing to subject myself to that much opinions in order to sort through to get the one or two person who has something that's like, oh, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. So I just let people know, like, stop giving me advice. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. And after repeating that several times for a few weeks, like people really don't give me advice anymore in this area. I'm very, yeah. I'm very, I'm very happy this way. What do you think that is yeah. with an audience and with someone like you who has such a big and loyal following that when you experience a huge life event, like giving birth, do you think it's, do you think it comes from a good place, an empty place from that? I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know like what the psychology is. My sister that. described it as having like 400,000 uh, mother-in-laws. There's just something like the mother-in-law, like the things my mother-in-laws have said to me have just been hilarious. And my sister has like the classic mother-in-law as well. So we really bonded Mm -hmm. on that and they just can't help it, right? They just can't help but say things to you like these socks aren't socky enough, like, or they'll come (laughs) over and the first thing they always do is criticize your breast milk, right? If the baby's not, you know, in a great place, like what did you eat yesterday? Have you been drinking? Have you done this and done that? And so, uh, or- from the time that your baby is born, every mother-in-law is going to accuse your baby of teething. Like she must be teething right yeah. now. You're like this doesn't work that way. Um, but I think on, there's just something, I don't know. There's some kind of mother-in-law instinct that your followers get. Mm. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I think it's, it's comes from a beautiful place of yes. nurture and care. Yes. And then especially if they have had a kid before, they want to feel like, wow, I went through a lot yes. where I didn't know things and I love and care for you. So I don't want you to go through yes. those things without knowing. So let me inform you on important bits of information that made an impact for me. Yes. 
Yeah, there's such a communal aspect of motherhood that I think we're kind of missing in our modern day where before moms would be in community together, they would be like in circle. And I think we're missing that. So I feel like people love to give their opinions in that way. And also too, I do feel like people look for approval from people that they really admire. So it's like, if they give you the piece of advice about your kid that really makes an impact, it's validating for them because they hold you oh, in yes. such high regard. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. And I think that's an excellent point. Yeah. I actually had people message me and say like, how dare you tell people not to support you in this way? It is so incredibly wow. arrogant because I can tell you that I'm a first time mom and having mm. people's feedback has meant everything to me. And I was like, great, I'll DM them to, I'll forward them to you. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is a fire hose though. You know, like 400,000 people, that's not normal to get that advice from people. And that's also too, like a different way of living. It's like some people live for the advice and input of other people and some people don't. Mm -hmm. And I, don't, I think you can pick and choose. Yeah. And it just became a, again, maybe it is like, you made a great point just now. I am not somebody who felt isolated in yeah. a motherhood community. I've had a lot of physically present people and especially when I first gave birth, I had my sister came down, my mom was present, mm -hmm. my sister's entire family. Like there was a lot of opinions and we have a really active household. People are constantly coming through. So I never felt isolated as a mom. And even I think my fourth uh, trimester or postpartum was so successful for me because I was surrounded by people. Mm -hmm. I was not isolated at all. So for that reason, I just didn't crave community from the online community. Mm -hmm. And that's just not where I necessarily looked for that support system. Mm -hmm. For sure. What about your own like intuition as a mother? Did that, because you created that boundary, did that kick in in ways that you didn't expect? Um, no. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> you know, what's interesting because I, sometimes I think about, my dad is somebody who will always look to say something controversial and so I, that's a hilarious if everybody else quality. likes Drake, he hates Drake. If everyone wants spaghetti, he needs tacos. It's kind of like Justin. Yeah. So I have that in me sometimes. And so I feel like I have to always assess that through that lens of like, do I really feel that way? Or am I just trying to be edgy right now? Because people often ask those questions about motherhood. Like, did you feel a deep sense of love? Yes. Did you feel love you never experienced mm -hmm. before? Or like, I always rolled my eyes when people would be like, oh, me and my bestie. I'm like that lump of flesh. Like <laughs> your best friend can't talk, can't make jokes. Yeah. Oh can't go God. to the club. Can't go to the club. I've actually seen <laughs> Never that. Never puts like, money what? in. They don't it's, talk. Yeah. Like, they sorry. cry. Yeah. They shit in their <laughs> pants and I expect you to clean like, it. Oh, I will say you called your cat your best friend. My cat's my best friend. <laughs> That's the whole thing. To your best friend, you called your cat your best friend? My cat walks around, I'm like, you're my best friend. <laughs> That's actually fucking true. You know, I say, I said, I said, I have three best friends and you're one of my best friends. And Lindsay was right there. <laughs> it's a mental problem, okay? What about your cat warrants that oh, title? I like what it. are they providing? They're just, there's just the way, an I'm not energy. There's an energy of best friendhood it's just like a funny thing to say. I haven't even, your cat has not even come by one. Cause she's not, she's Doesn't, my best friend. I know she's my best not, friend. She not knows all how checking you feel. On you. She knows how you feel. It's just kind of like a funny thing to say. Maybe I would call my kid my best friend, but we're talking about you. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think no, I don't know if I had any motherly instincts per se. Um, or it's like that mm -hmm. intuitive. I don't know if like, was there some things that were sharpened when you became a mom? You notice how you, biologically, mm. like certain things, for example, your breasts respond to the baby. 
So if the baby cries, your milk lets down. And so your boobs literally Whoa. fill up with milk if the baby is in distress because wow. your body is like, oh, maybe, maybe the baby's hungry, which yeah. is my favorite Instagram <laughs> comment. Every time somebody said that, I'm like, you should write a parenting book. Where can I find, <laughs> feed your baby? Where can I find your work? <laughs> Where can I find your work? <laughs> wow. Here, here are my coins. Where do I send them? All of it. Great advice. Hunger? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> never thought. What a concept. Yes. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think um, your body definitely has that. And then I think as for me, it wasn't necessarily instinct. It was getting to know the baby as an individual. Mm -hmm. So I just became the person who just knew her better than anybody else. So I feel like if I was, my curiosity, um, if anything, was heightened. Mm -hmm. So my, I love my, um, my devotion, not devotion is the wrong word, but the fact that I was willing to acknowledge I didn't know, mm -hmm. I think was the thing that was the intuitive part of me mm -hmm. of like, I don't know shit. So like, let me learn. And I was so thirsty to learn. Mm -hmm. And then as so observant as a result of that. Mm. I feel like that's always been a part of your personality is your ability to learn. And I think that's so important. Yeah. It's also interesting too, because you're such your own your own, you have your own identity. So it's not like when you were having the baby, this is what I perceive. You weren't looking for that to be your identity. Oh, the opposite. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you were whole and then you had this whole being, you brought this whole being, you and Jared both brought this whole being into the world. So it's kind of like this being, you're in discovery of the being rather than like making the being be your best friend, like my cat. Yes. You know, like, or like, like they oh, are me, I am them. Yes. Like, I'm going to let you evolve and grow. I'm going to evolve and grow as a mother. We'll evolve and grow side by side. But it wasn't like you were looking for that to fulfill you. Oh, 100%. I actually read a book that was called The Art of Loving. It's by Eric Frum. Mm. It's written in the 50s mm. by an old Jewish psychologist. So mm. there's some parts in it that may not be your fave. But uh, one of the things that just like, I remember bookmarking this and I read it to probably anybody who would listen. I did a video on it actually. But it was talking about um, the difference in kinds of motherly love. Like a lot of mothers have children because they love babies and they want to love a baby. And then some mothers have children because they want to love an adult. And I, that so deeply resonated with me because yeah. the reason I wanted to have kids was so that I could share with somebody what I've acquired, um, my relationship, love, mm. um, knowledge, resources, so I could scaffold them into becoming an incredible adult. And so the drive was to create something to be separate from me, where a lot of people have a child to have something to be a continuation of them and to fill in the gaps for them of yes. their own life. Like love me the way that I couldn't have been loved before, you know, like me in the way that I didn't, wasn't liked before, be for, be there for me in a way that I haven't experienced before. And I feel like my mom was like the poster child of that kind of love. And it caused a lot of friction in our relationship because as I grew older, uh, my mom didn't know how to love me as a teen and then, mm. or as an adult. And she was constantly trying to infantilize me because mm. she had me to have a baby. And then when I grew up, she was like, well, I don't know what to do with you now. Mm -hmm. I just never wanted to have a kid for those reasons. Mm -hmm. And yeah. do you think like so much of their purpose was in that period of time of being the protector, the provider, the example for you? And then as you evolved into a teen and older- it's like they lose sense of like, oh, for sure. so what's my purpose now? Yes. And absolutely. how do I, so it's like being able to relate to you. Yes. But then it's also like that purpose mm -hmm. becomes a little more murky. Like, what's the next yeah. thing? It was next thing for me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think, or what's next to become of us. And it was a really bizarre thing for me because I remember growing up, I would tell my mom, I'm in love with you. And I meant that. And my mom was an incredible mom to me as a kid. 
And then when I became a teen and it wasn't like that, I was like, what changed? Mm -hmm. And I realized the problem was that nothing changed, Mm -hmm. that she was still trying to love me that exact same way that was, she was so successful in, you know, through my childhood years. And what changed is me. I was, Mm -hmm. I had matured. Um, And then our relationship didn't mature along with it. I think we still struggle with that to this Mm -hmm. day. If anything, having a kid may have been the first time that me and my mom were able to relate as adults, maybe in my entire adulthood. Wow. Yeah, there's that individuation period that happens when you're in high school, you know, where you're like, okay, I'm trying to become an individual outside of our relationship. And sometimes it gets a little sticky because you're like, you have to rebel or you have to like fight. You have to sort of disagree. But it is interesting because a lot of parents and mothers, I feel like will have children in service to them. And oftentimes I've seen, I don't know if you guys have seen this with, with men, where the mothers have the son because they're not fulfilled by the husband. Mm-hmm. And then the son is almost mm-hmm. like their pseudo I was going to talk about this with you, Lindsay, because your um, partner yes. is coming from a single mother. Mm-hmm. My previous relationship was like that. And he was 100% the son's bend. Yeah. Like mm. that was yep. her man. Yep. Wow. That was nothing grosser. <laughs> One time we were like, I had that too. We were sleeping together in bed and we weren't, hooking up or anything, but it was like 4 a.m. And she came and came into the room and was like, where's the remote? And was like, where's the remote at like 4 a.m. when we were in bed together? Who? Your part, not- My, me and my partner were in bed and the mother Your came previous in. one or? Previous, yeah. Okay. Previous, yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow, mm. this is not- Oh, I lived with and my partner at that time. Um, and the mom used to sneak food into the house because she was so accustomed to cooking for him. And so I had to ask her to politely, I'm like, hey, we're, we live together now. And I'm just really trying to establish our own flow and our own, like, what do we want to eat? You know, rather than like yeah. constantly having like your leftovers in the fridge. And uh, she just wouldn't take no for an answer and then used to find ways. It became a weird thing too, where like they'd smuggle food in. It just became this big to do. Um, <laughs> that shit is like- You're like, is this from Costco? Yeah. <laughs> I love that too. Cause it's like, okay. And then completely like, I'm not, doing that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Like I will not respect You don't that. know better than me. Listen, we're not going to go into this story the, boundaries. Mm-hmm. the long way, but I remember he was coming back from a trip and he took a bus there. And so uh, I was trying to call him and he wasn't answering. And I was like, oh, what time is he supposed to come in? And I was like, let me ask his mom. And I was like, called her and I was like, do you know what time he comes in? She's like, no, but don't worry. I'm already here. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'll pick him up. And it was like eight in the morning. He was not going to come home till like 7 p.m. Like <laughs> as far as I knew, it was the evening or afternoon. But I guess she wanted to like claim her spot. Like I will be the one to collect him. And it was winter in Canada. That's a lot of Yo. Tim Hortons you got to go through. Shout out to people from Toronto. You know what that is. It's a lot of Tim Hortons to go through in that waiting period just so wow. you could be the one to pick up your son. So, and I'm done venting on the topic. Yo. Let's move on. I know. Let's not talk about our exes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that is the one. But when you got, when you and Jared got pregnant and you decided to have kids. Oh, I like that wording. What? When me and Jared, Jared got pregnant. I'm actually trying consciously to do that because I keep saying, I'm like, my wedding, my, like I keep, mm-hmm. I want to be more of a wee person. So thank you. Um, what was that like? Like, what was your journey through pregnancy and even now having a child, like with sex, with your intimacy, with your communication, like how has it evolved? Oh, um, I mean, it's so fascinating because it's so many changes within a very short period of time. Yeah. And so forget the fact that your communication style or the way that you get turned on or the or where you have sex has to change, but like your attitudes and when you view each other. So nothing is the same. And it literally 
every week is different because your body's always mm-hmm. doing something new mm-hmm. um, or the baby's doing something new and like her sleep. So it's it's been a really phenomenally fascinating time. I will say the proudly, like yesterday we had sex in a storage closet at, at home. Fuck yeah. That was great. And I was Love like, this is, this, these are the things that I dreamt about That's as a child, amazing. you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One day. <laughs> um, because she was napping? She wasn't even napping. We just had somebody upstairs oh, for mm-hmm. uh, his brother comes and helps yeah. us during the week. So his brother was upstairs playing with her and he was sitting on his computer, came and sat in his lap. And then we looked at each other and then we started. And then he was like, let's go in the storage closet. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, this mama gets down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been pretty great. But I mean, there's been some not great times. Um, Jared was audibly disinterested in sex while I was pregnant. Mm. and had told me that mm. like I'm just not into pregnancy sex and mm. that was difficult um in its own way but also I had to be empathetic because it's kind of a weird concept to be penetrating the canal that the baby will yes. eventually come out it's not even like it's a separate hole we weren't doing anal which I maybe if we would have added that in it would have been fine but mm-hmm. it's the idea that the I'm like knocking on the baby's door mm-hmm. um and that I think was very strange. And then of course, too, the way you can have sex is very different because mm. nothing is fast at all. You're right. so uncomfortable and nothing feels good. Your body feels alien. So every position takes minutes to get into, um, which is why you just stick with one usually. And it just is, mm. it's just not, it wasn't the jam for him. And that, that was a time that I just, I didn't realize um, as a woman how unaccustomed, and this is a pretty privileged thing as well too, but I'm used to going out in the world and people looking at me in the eyes or looking at my body or looking mm. at my legs. Like I'm used to knowing where the attention is going to shift, but as a pregnant person, it's literally dry, always to the belly. Mm. So people will look at you and like, so they're automatically registering you, not as a woman, but like as a vessel for another life. Like mm. you're secondary in those moments. I'm like, wow, like I don't feel desired. Mm. And then it was a pandemic too. So there was no flirtatious mm. energy from the world. It just felt very, I felt asexual. And then on top of that, my partner also was saying to me, like, I don't enjoy, you know, our sexual time together. So that was a difficult period to go through. Um, But I was, I I didn't care. I think like at 37 weeks too, when I realized that sex could induce pregnancy, I was like, I don't care if you want to or not. Yeah. I was going (laughs) to ask what that conversation was like, because if you had desire during that time and does it, does it feel good when you're pregnant? Like, is it like, could it feel good? Second trimester, yeah. First okay. trimester, you just feel, I felt so sick yes. that no, but second trimester, you have double the blood volume, you have increased circulation. And then as a result of that, like everything is more sensitive and more engorged. It's like being mm-hmm. hyper aroused. Mm-hmm. I found that actually too, like there's an A spot. Um, and I'd never experienced like A spot pleasure before. And during pregnancy and then afterwards, like that's been a really uh, big erogenous zone for me. Where is it? So it's uh, it's a spot for anterior fornix, which okay. essentially means like an archway around the cervix. So your vagina is not mm-hmm. like a straight hole into the, the, the womb, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a curve. And on top of that too, you've got the cervix, which is the neck, for lack of a better term, of the uterus. Mm-hmm. It's very small. So around the cervix, there actually is like an area. So a, a gully. Mm-hmm. And if you get in there, there's a lot of pleasurable sensitive tissue around that. So if you, it's the best way to access the A spot is through the middle finger because it's the longest finger Mm -hmm. and then really jamming it up there and then pressing forward. Mm. But I guess I just, 
want to sit on the not, you know, the conversation between you and him on not being attracted to women that are pregnant. Cause I think for a lot of women, when things happen in the bedroom, we take it very personally. Yes. If he can't get hard, if he's mm-hmm. not into period sex, if he's not mm-hmm. into all of these things. So how have you been able in your life to, and I, that's why I love, I love watching you and Jared's videos when Jared's in, like it's, it just fucking, it's, he just, cracks me up. But, so how do you pull that apart from like being something that's defining you as a person and your attractiveness, but a conversation about preferences and like things and making it less personal? Mm-hmm. It is deeply personal, but I have to also acknowledge that the other side of me not making myself available to that information is being in the dark. And nothing hurts more than that, mm-hmm. where I know something is different because, you know, you're so plugged yeah. into your partner, especially Jared and I work together and we live together and we create a life together. So there's not a lot of space for us to conceal how we feel. And neither one of us are Leonardo DiCaprio, not a great actor. If you're not into the sex, I'm going to know. Mm-hmm. But if I don't create the space for you to explain why, then I'm in this weird void of trying to fill in the gaps for myself, which actually might lead me to a, a darker truth that's not representative of his feelings. So- I knew that even though he was saying things to me that were hard to digest and were hurtful in many ways, I had to create the space for it because I wanted that honesty. And then through those dialogues of us putting it on the table, we could figure out what what are we going to do about it? And what we did about it was like, okay, well, those are your feelings. Those are completely valid. However, I still have to have sex because the way that this prolactin works, like the way that I want to like get out this baby out of me, like it's still important. And also too, like orgasm was a way for me to alleviate a lot of discomfort mm-hmm. in my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you, I started like um, the womanizer became my best friend. Like the yeah. past couple of weeks, I was like, you know what? I can't even rely on you anymore. <laughs> you come when you come, but I'm coming with or without you. Yeah. So that became a thing too, of like me reclaiming uh, a lot of my like masturbation time mm-hmm. because we had different priorities during that time. Mm. But it was, yeah, it was definitely a tough thing. And we had put out a video where we talked about that. And it was interesting because the, he got really judged mm. for being vocal about that. And then P, it's like as much as sometimes people's truth is inconvenient. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we can acknowledge that. Yes. But what's on the other side of it? Yes. You can't force yourself to like something that you yes. don't. You can reframe it in your brain. But even through the reframing, you're aware that I'm consciously reframing this. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, because if we were said with women, women have preferences and we want this, people be like, oh yeah, women have preferences. But if a man has a preference, you're like, what? Men like to fuck everything. You know, it's kind of that Mm -hmm. concept and idea too, where you're like, you're not going to just fuck anything. Like how, oh, we're like offended. Like there's that, which I don't think is fair. Mm -hmm. It's not fair at all. I mean, because on the flip side, if I said, I'm not into pregnancy sex and I'm turned off by you Mm -hmm. right now during this time. People be like, oh, of course. Of course. It makes perfect sense. Yes. And nobody would have a thing to say about it. Yes. I mean, mind you, like I said, even though we felt the way we felt, he still listened to what my body's needs were and was like, I'm going to be a participant, but I'm going to let you know that I may not be the one initiating Mm -hmm. because it's not pulling me in the way Mm -hmm. that it used to. Mm -hmm. And so that was the the kind of the negotiation that we had. So I think that it is, I mean, it's worth talking about. Obviously the person can't be mean or malicious about it. Of course. Um, And that's a big thing. Cause I will say that like a big thing for me during pregnancy too, is I was working on a show at the time and I was getting changed four times a day because we shot 250 episodes. Thank you. But the constant commentary on my body Mm. was overwhelming. 
every outfit that you put on, oh, it's tight here. It's pulling here. Oh, this. And every time you walked out, oh, look at the belly. Look at this. Look at that. Oh, you've grown. It was just constant commentary Mm. and nitpicking on my body. And so I think six months pregnant, Jared told me my breath was smelling weird. I can't tell you how much that crushed me. Like I didn't, I think I just, I think I slept apart from him for like four days because I was like, I just can't, I can't be looked at anymore. I don't want to be judged. I don't want anybody around me who's going to be assessing and judging mm-hmm. and like, you know, just constantly just mm-hmm. being like, well, how is her body different? How is it responding? Um, so yeah, it definitely was, it was hard. And I think that that was a good lesson for him because maybe you can have that truth, but sometimes also too, it's like the suck it up factor mm-hmm. of it. Of like, how important is it for me to share this and at what cost? Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your relationship with your body. Like, did you have a conversation with Jared before you guys got pregnant around just like, I know you didn't know exactly because this is your first time being pregnant, but like the changes in your body that were going to occur and just kind of what to expect or like how you guys would stay in communication or what did that look like? Yeah. I mean, like I struggle not to talk. I think some people have the other problem, but especially what I do for a living, I'm Mm -hmm. like, this is, oh my God, I'm like on the ground (laughs) research. I'm getting to- This is a video idea. This is amazing. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) So I was like thrilled. I'm like, oh, we get to like experience new things Mm. and learn and new information. And I- actually was thinking the other day because I have had every conversation possible with Jared. Like, yes. What would you do if we broke up? What would you do if we were unicorns? What would you do? What was the first time you thought that you loved me when you know I was your wife? Like every question possible. What was your best orgasm? So sometimes like I run out of things. I'm like, what other question can I ask? You know, like what was the best blowjob I've ever given before? What was your favorite meal with it together? Um, and that was like all this fresh material, like all oh, so uh-huh. many new topics. Yes. Uh, so I really loved, I think that that part of it and I leaned into it. I find that I have the opposite problem of having to scale back because even now I'm breastfeeding and Jared doesn't interact with my breast the way that he used to because uh, mm-hmm. he characterizes them as like Ryu's boobs. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of bizarre because of the milk coming out. And then mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. I know I have milk stains on my bra right now, which means they probably have milk taste on them, even mm-hmm. if I'm not lactating at the time. But I was like, I, I want you to look at them as sexual because on top of that, they're phenomenal. I know, yes, I was going to say. They're juicy, delicious. I'm like, what do you mean? I pumped just before <laughs> too. If I didn't, you'd see. They're phenomenal. They're- so I'm like, and I'm plausibly, my boobs are not going to be the same after I stop breastfeeding. They're going to be deflated and mm-hmm. um, just very different. So like now is the time to do all the titty things. Yes. Like we had- for our first time titty fucking was when I was pregnant. So yes. I'm like, they can go together now. That was not possible yeah. So you don't want to hit our daughter's head, but yeah. I'm, gonna yeah. yes. <laughs> I'm like, look it at makes this. Makes sense to me. And so he's like not interested. But then I also noticed that I overshare about my breastfeeding experience with him. Like, mm. oh, the ache, the discomfort. Yeah. Look at this new bump on my nipple that I got. Like, look at this new thing. Like, Every time that I had an experience I wanted to share, but I was like, how can I ask him to sexualize them? But I'm constantly reminding him of the other duties that my boobs have. This brings up just a question around like, because of the nature of what you do and the content that you create and just the fact that you are such an inquisitive and open person in the relationship, do you feel like it doesn't allow him the room to maybe explore that for himself to be more of that. I'm mm-hmm. asking because I, I experience that sometimes in my relationship where like 
I feel like I'm more vocal, mm-hmm. like in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm just not, that's just not me. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I pulled back, would it allow more space for mm-hmm. him to be more of that? And we've talked about it, but I don't know if that's, mm-hmm. I don't think it would, but I'm just curious about that, like the balance or the mm-hmm. lack thereof, whether like pulling back would maybe shift how Jared would like approach some of these things. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, what's fascinating is this is, um, you guys don't make content together, right? You no. and your partner. He's very private. Girl, you Sorry. better force that shit on because you know, what was, right. that's mm-hmm. been a saving grace, I think, because I created mm-hmm. a platform yeah. where his voice was necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's necessary for him to share his perspective uh, by virtue of that we're creating things for each other. So I think without that piece, yes. it might've been like, this is a you thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. That's such a good point. Show him the check. Right, show him the show check. Show him the check, honey. You got to tell him about the pre- Yes, you got to show him about the cars. You got to tell him yeah. about the data and the check. <laughs> That's how you get him in. It's interesting thing about the not wanting to have sex when pregnant and also to your boobs. And I think men have this fear of that like primal instinct sometimes. Like where it's like, oh, I'm going to hit the baby. You know, they like it's almost like a good guy complex where it's like, I don't want to hit the baby or I don't want to use the boobs in a way that's disrespectful because now this beautiful being is using them. Mm. And I love this person. I don't want to like say these things to her that are like raunchy and dirty. And Mm -hmm. there's like a compartmentalization that men sort of do with women and things that they love where it's almost like the primal aspects and elements are saved for like one night stands. One night stands. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Or I guess it's like the Madonna whore complex. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wonder if there's a little bit of Oedipus in there too of like, you know, resisting the urge to sexualize your mom. And as a result, just like completely putting it like moms are not sexual. Yes. um, Mm -hmm. Ever in any capacity at all. Mm. That's interesting. But I think that you have to, you know, there was a uh, Afrosexology. They had this really beautiful activity, which was a bunch of words or descriptors like uh, safe, uh, dominated, sensual, sexy, slutty, fascinating, magical. And it it said, choose three words that describe how you want to feel during sex. Mm. And that was a really great activity for us to do because it was to be like, not what do you want to do, which is a big thing. You know, what do you want to do right now? Do you want to fuck my boobs? Like, Mm -hmm. um, I I love in the video because you're like, all right, Jared. So there's this really cool thing. And he's like, well, we already did it. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, well, this is cheating because we already did this. And you're like, no, we're going to model it for them. And we're going to do it. He like cannot lie. Like he can lie. He's like, but we've already done this. I know. He's like ruining it. You're just like, I know we did it. The audience doesn't know that we did it. So pretend. That was a good activity though, because I circled slutty on there Mm. and he didn't guess that I would have done that. And he was like, oh, like why? And I was like, I I just, I think maybe because of the momliness, Mm -hmm. you want sex to be a different opportunity for you. Um, And I, I, I just, I also too, I think to be completely honest, grew up with that idea in my head that men will want sex from outside partners if they feel like they can't be that raw mm-hmm. carnal part of themselves with their primary partner. Mm-hmm. So I never wanted to create a space where we only had like one type or style of sex mm-hmm. where I wanted to be like fully expressive for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like been a challenge to force him out of that idea of like, I can only be um, made love to. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes I just want to be someone's little slut. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Totally. I'll never forget. We were, 
Oh, we were at Goodfest. We saw you at Goodfest. This is when we first saw you and you were talking about your fantasy. The jail fantasy. Yes. My favorite. <laughs> I was like, I'll like, never I think forget that's mine. that. <laughs> Literally, you're that's like, I'm wearing a little funny. skirt. No one's touching me. Yes. Uh, like, mm-hmm. and that was, it's just so, I was like, damn, because I've never thought about my fantasy. Oh, what is your fantasy? I've never thought about it. I still don't even know. You've had some time. I've had that some was time. years ago. <laughs> I've had some time since. I feel like mine's pretty wrong and I wouldn't want to say it because I then everyone's like psychoanalyzing. They're like, oh, is that because blah, blah, blah. I'll say off mm. there. Okay. Do you know what actually Esther Perel has a book called Mating in Captivity, which I thought mm-hmm. was very freeing because it talks about like fantasies aren't literal. They're yeah. interpretive, yeah. like yeah, a dream. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, I don't want to go to a jail. <laughs> Let's be clear. Um, but that's so true. What's the feeling? How do I want to feel? How do I want to yes. feel? That's, yeah. What's yours? Like ravaged? I want to feel ravaged. ravaged. Yeah. I want to yes. feel like people can't contain themselves. Yes. yes. Like I am so sexy. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think, yes. Where it's like so, mine's like it's so wrong. They want me so bad. It's like they're going over the wrongness mm-hmm. yes. of it all. But the, it was interesting too what Jared said in that video about the words because he said something about when you said you wanted to be slutty, like the way you grew up, you were never seen as that. And there's people where he grew up that were seen as that. So they'd want to be seen as the opposite. Mm. Yes. Where it's he, like he, people he knows that he grew up would want to be seen as the good girl. Yeah. And then you didn't grow up. You grew up in just like a middle class or so people would being slutty was the wrong thing. So it's like you kind of wanted the opposite experience. I think also too, I mean, we've fought so long not to be slutty. Yeah. I think a lot of women, yeah. you know, the the anti-slut complex. And so for so, my 20s probably focused on me not wanting to be viewed as slutty mm. and to be viewed as um, quality, like a primary respectable partner, um, as a lady, as a goddess. Mm-hmm. And so I've done that and it's enjoyable. And now I'm like, well, what about that slutty thing that mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been running away from for so long. What does yes. that feel like? And especially within the context of a loving, yes. respecting relationship where mm-hmm. we just know it's like um, role-playing. Mm-hmm. So wh- I want that experience while knowing that when this is over, I'm going to be treated with the utmost of respect, like an equal partner. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, like, tell me to like suck on that yes. dick, you <laughs> dirty I slut. feel like, because, yeah, the container. Look how not good I am at this. <laughs> That's how you're looking like at us doing. in the eye. You're yeah. like, tell me, like, so it's hard. <laughs> I feel like the container is so important. The container I do feel everything. like it's different now that like we live together. We're in a committed relationship. Yes. Whereas before when we were kind of pseudo dating, if I were to be, like, quote, freaky, he'd be like, who else are you doing this with? What, what is yes. this? And yes. I'm like, what do you mean? Ooh, yeah. I just want to do it with you. What, dude, Justin, when we were dating, I flew to New York and we it was the night we had our first kiss. We had our first kiss and we came home and I was actually blacked out. I was drinking then and I was woke up butt-ass naked, but we didn't do anything. And he was like, who else is she getting butt-ass naked for? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, had that yeah. thought. He was like, oh, is she... But I, it was because I felt comfortable. You know, you felt mm-hmm. liberated. And, and you have to justify that. Yes. Instead of being like, she is so cool. What yes. an interesting life she's lived. <laughs> yeah. She must be what really experienced. Gal. <laughs> First I kiss? actually have the opposite. I have a problem with Jared with trying to get him to open up in his sluttiness. Mm. Oh, it's a preach. I think preach. preach. Yeah. For They've sure. been so shunned for their, men have been really stuffed in their masculine expression of sexuality where it is seen as bad. And I think they're terrified. Yeah. 
to and do it. Even if you say you want it, he's still afraid yes. that it's a test. Yes. That yes. like a really big- uh, like You're going to, cops are going to come out. You're like, well, no, yeah. it's not, bitch. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> this is not consent. I really want him to, like I've several times, like while I'm doing something sexual, like I was giving him oral once and I was like, tell me about another time that you've gotten oral. Like, tell me the story of it. And like, while I'm giving you oral, oh. I'm like, it's going to be mm-hmm. the hottest thing ever. He's like, I, I don't remember any. That would be Justin. <laughs> That would be just. And I'm like getting pissed now. I'm like, you don't. He's remember. like, am I allowed to like you fantasize about another woman yeah, while honestly, you're yeah, exactly? Because yeah. he was like, I thought it was a test. Yes. Mm. And I thought you were trying to like get me to like recall a time that we've done it. I was like, no, like it's okay that you've had experiences with other yes. people. And for me, looking at you, because there's so much of, especially when you're in a long-term committed relationship, of a need for separation. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. during like Esther Perel says that like. Um, it's in air that fire grows. If fire is mm. smothered, it goes out. So you need that separation. So seeing you as a separate being who's had a sex life yes. and other people slobbing on your knob and other desires and fantasies and people who've seen you naked for the first time, mm. like imagining that version of you that's lusted, like that someone out there in the world is masturbating based on a memory they have of you 10 years ago is actually very intriguing and arousing to me. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I kind of need those I experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And it's also too like a way to bring in like kind of a porn element, mm-hmm. but it's like of, of something. Real life. Yeah. Like a, a fantasy porn element that existed. But I've always felt like that too. I'm like the most sexy parts is when you know your partner's desired. Yeah. When you're like, dude, your partner's fine. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. I love that. My favorite. Yeah. I'm I sure they love, love that, that too. You know, it's, what do you, do you I don't know, but I guess it's sort of a thing because like Jared will go out and then he comes back. I'm like, who, who flirted with you? He's like, nobody. I'm like, oh my God, I have the lamest dude. Like, <laughs> I want there to be like, you went out yes. and nobody threw that pussy at you. Like, yes. why'd you come uh-huh. home? Get uh-huh. back out there. <laughs> <laughs> out there. <laughs> but I think the condition like, is no, like, It's like, I can't flirt. I can't have these, like, yes. you know, it's just. The, what, does, yes. does he get jealous if like people are flirting with you? Does that turn him on? Because I do feel like there's something around, you know, I feel like, yeah, everyone's insecure, has those insecurities. I feel like it, with Sean, it triggers him a little bit where he's like, wait, what do they have that I don't? Mm. Oh, explain more. Yeah. I feel like when we go out, like even being in New York now and he is like such a social person, I'm like, I'm like, can I tap out of some? Cause it's, it's so intense, oh. but it's actually really fun because I notice him noticing other people notice us and, or me. And like, I'm like, this is my dude. And I'm so proud. I'm like, Mm-mm. but he, I think has his eyes on everything where he's like, you were talking to that person for like a little bit, like what's going on there? And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. Cause oh. no one was talking to them, but it's, and it doesn't freak I feel like me it's out. It's early in the relationship. You have that. Yeah. It doesn't freak me out. I'm like, Oh, there's just that part of him that is a bit insecure and nine years of me rejecting him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he has to catch up to the fact that, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not going anywhere. And also like, there is that desire in me to not necessarily just like have this, these blinders on only towards him. It's not because I desire someone else, but it's like it's this, part of your expression. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I love, like I, if there's ever someone that wants to talk to Justin, I like walk away. I'm like, yes. Me too. <laughs> and then Justin will come like hide behind me. He's like, <laughs> dude, I'm like, am I, have I neutered you that much? Dude, like we were like, <laughs> you know, but it's like one of those things where you want what you can't, you know, if mm-hmm. I had a man that was like out every night, like talking to chicks, I'd be like, oh, what the fuck? 
but because he doesn't. But it is like yeah, that desire element. And mm-hmm. that's what's hard about when you've been dating for a long time is not having that as much. And we don't go out like the way we used to. Like when I lived in New York or the first years in LA, you're at clubs, you're at bars, you're kind of in the situations where that was present, where people could hit on them or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we don't really have that as much anymore. So it's like, how could we find that sort of polarity in relationship when we've been dating for a long time? Because that polarity is like where you find attraction. Yes. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, jealousy um, like has a high function in it has a function in terms of pair bonds. Like it has an evolutionary mm. function and it is a cue that you just look at your partner as somebody worth guarding. Mm. So there is something to be said about jealousy is a, a sign of a healthy relationship, or yeah. like a healthy desire to maintain the relationship. But it depends because some people can take it overboard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jared's not jealous at all, which mm-hmm. is good for me because I'm very flirty. Yes. And it's good for me based on what I do for a living. But there are times that you're like, Oh, you really don't care at all. Um, okay. Yes. <laughs> not a, it doesn't bother you. Or just, yes. no, it's fine. Just, yeah, do your thing. And you're like, okay, like, okay, I'll show you. Um, yeah, literally. But I, I, how do you find it? Do you feel like it's a compliment? Like, how do you, what is your relationship with the jealousy? Yeah, I take it first as a compliment. And then I also want to have a conversation about it because he's very much in his head like he'll just think about things over and over and loop it and think of all the scenarios. And so I want to kind of talk it out Mm. where it's like, you know, what about this bothers you and, or what about this makes you feel insecure? Like, is there a way in which, you know, we can have a conversation so that, you know, that anytime I'm like talking to people and, or they're looking at me and I notice that they're looking at me, it's not this um, possibility that I am thinking about someone else and wanting to leave you, mm-hmm. but rather it's just this, for me, it's just very simply like, oh, I noticed someone who's really attractive. I'm like, I want to look at them. And mm-hmm. same with him. That's a whole thing where there is a double yes. standard, mm-hmm. a little bit of a double standard. Cause I notice, I notice when he looks at girls and I'll like call it out and, or just like notice and I'm like, yeah, she's gorgeous. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, but with him, it feels a little bit more charged and like unprocessed. So that's why I'm just like, let's talk about it because mm-hmm. I'm down to. Yeah. There's such a shame. To- like I used to have so much shame around if Justin would look at another girl. I always laugh. I always say, I'm like, we'd be out like in New York at dinner and I'd be like watching his eyes. And if his eyes would like go to the left, I'd be like, what is he looking? Like I would <laughs> literally, we'd be at dinners and he'd be like, I just looked over because the server was coming and I'd be like, keep your eyes on the table. <laughs> like I was batshit, like batshit crazy. Just, I didn't, I was so insecure. Like anytime, and it's interesting too, like, but women are really intuitive. And it was almost like I would facilitate the energy of him potentially looking at another girl and her looking at him because I'd be so fearful of it. So it's almost like I'd create the environment where that would happen. Mm. And I'd be like, just so like worried. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what the fuck was going to happen. But I feel so much better that I'm on the other side of that. Because that mm-hmm. kind of life is so exhausting. So yes. exhausting. So exhausting. You're never safe. You're never mm-hmm. relaxed. Everyone's a threat. You know, you're just, you cannot live that way. And to be on the other side and now where we laugh, where we see girls, like I'm like, yo, did you see that? 
ass. Or like, <laughs> you know, we like laugh about it. It's like, and it's more attractive. Yes. Mm -hmm. He can be himself. He can like yes. be like, yo. And I can be like, yo. And you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, exactly. this is liberating that we're saying what's true. Yes. It's also sexy. I mean, I would say this, like people who are in relationships are, especially a man in a relationship is very attractive because we're so accustomed to men having to hunt for mates or look for mm. mates or be on the prowl. And so when you already have somebody at home, there's an ease around that you have. You can talk to people with more confidence. There's no neediness attached to it. Like there's yes. just this relaxed energy that's very sensual yes. and that's secureness. So yes. I think having a partner who exhibits that same secureness is really sexy. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that he and I did now that I had an aha about this is that uh, our relationship started out as an open relationship. And that was primarily because we were fuck buddies and we moved in together. Um, and so we needed a title to explain what it is that we shared. However, while this was happening, there was a person that I perceived to be my soulmate. We talked to, I have a podcast episode with you guys coming out. Mm -hmm. And in it, we talked about uh, at a time I was in a relationship where I felt that I knew enough for the both of us that we'd get married. So it was this person that I had this, I projected onto them this forever and they left me. And I had to make up, you know, truly reconcile with the fact that this person I knew so deeply was my person didn't want to be with me. Mm. Fast forward, me and Jared are together having this fuck buddy relationship and this guy comes back around. And now the opportunity to like make this dream come true a reality is back on the table. And so Jared and I moved in together simultaneously why I'm getting, getting to re-entertain this fantasy that didn't get to happen. And so I had to be very clear, like I need to play this out. There's this, this has been in my mind for so long. I mean, it's a dream that died and I had to reconcile with that. But now I need to know, is it, was it ever really possible? So he was with me and living with me while I was basically entertaining the idea of being with somebody else forever. Um, wow. And I think that that was difficult for him, but also was a part of our arrangement. So we talked constantly about it, but it's almost like, you know, when you almost die mm -hmm. and then you stop fearing death because yes. you saw- what it looked like. And you realize like, it's going to be fine. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. so what? Life's over. Every time on mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Cool. I'm like, whoa, cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it's like. I've been afraid of this thing this whole time, mm -hmm. but now I'm here and looking at it and it's not that bad. And so I think that for him, because that was like built into the beginning of our relationship, like he already has pictured losing me. He's already let mm -hmm. go of the, of the idea of not getting to be with oh, me wow. and realize on the other side, he'll, he'll be totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, so, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, that's what before our wedding, that was kind of what mm. we got to that point where like, what if we completely lost each other and didn't get married? I'd be like, oh, I'd be great and you'd be great. And it's like the choice of, of being together. Then you know that people are actually coming together for the truth after you explore that. Because if he was like, no, 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 you need to choose. That's what's hard about the pressure for marriage, which we talked about on your podcast. It's like, but if you're pressuring, then what's the decision that they want to make? You know, because he allowed you to do that and have freedom in doing that. And then you came to him. So he knows for sure that it's him mm -hmm. because you were able to explore that. And there's something to that confidence and to that truth. But he can't know for sure that it's him because he can know that it's for sure him over that other dude. Yeah. There's still mm -hmm. six billion others or how many every billion others I could pick, right? And so like, I think that that, True. idea, not necessarily that you're choosing me, but that I'd be okay even if you didn't. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. also grateful that every day, and we always talk, we constantly choose each other every single day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, history plays accounts for a lot of it. It's not that we're not going on a day-to-day basis. Like we've mm-hmm. built so much. I don't desire to dissolve anything, mm-hmm. you know, within a month. But, you know, if we have years of miscommunication and misalignments that on the other side of that, there's still a possibility for you to reconnect with somebody else and be totally fine. But I don't know. I, I, it's an interesting thing. Sometimes like our relationship is still fairly open in that he can come to me today and say, I want to go on a date. And that isn't like cause for us to be like, and we're ending our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, he can come to me and, and talk about feelings for other people. But I think because he can, he hasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not a hack that I would suggest as anyone try to Jedi mind trick somebody into. <laughs> but that's just the way that it's shaped out oddly enough in our relationship because it's a complete possibility and a total mm. freedom. Uh, we just, it's never even been a, a request from him. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine having a, uh, having a child together has kind of maybe shifted that, like just shifted that view on that freedom for people that w- might, who want to explore an open relationship. Mm-hmm. How would you recommend like setting up those parameters and or conversations so that it's is as healthy as it can be. Because I feel like people going into it might have perceptions of what it looks like. And there's not really room for kind of that healthy exploration. Yeah, I think, I mean, mind you, like every label is just, it's something for fast consumption for other people. The label shouldn't define what you are. Like Mm. apples, right? Like you have a section of apples. Within those you have Fiji and then you've got Granny Smith. Like there's all these nuances. And within the Granny Smith, there's all these other sub tiers. Mm. And then there's, the one that's lumpy, the one that's round. So, but nobody has a time to sit down there and like go on these in-depth explorations. That's what relationship is. So open is a fast consumption title. So it doesn't mean the same thing for me as to somebody else and et cetera. So if you don't look at it, like this is a one size fits all label that we're throwing on and a routine that we're throwing ourselves into, I think it can be great because the real thing is open to what? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to be open to? What are you, are you open because you enjoy sex with other people? Are you open mm. because you enjoy flirting? Or I genuinely believe, when I'm saying this because he'll never listen to this podcast, but <laughs> I believe that Jared just doesn't like to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. So I think a really big thing for him is having the open to making the choice, mm-hmm. even if he necessarily wow. wouldn't. Yes. For him, being in any type of, I had this aha with him once where we were like going out together to like look for cars. And he was like, I want to eat at 1 p.m. But then we saw somewhere we wanted to eat at like 11. And I was like, oh, let's go right here right now. He's like, I don't want to eat yet though. I was like, well, who gives a fuck? This place is here. It's now like the timing mm-hmm. worked out. So we literally went and I got the food. And then he just walked around with this like box of food till 1 p.m. And it was the hottest day. And it was driving me nuts of like, do you want to stop somewhere and just eat your food? Like, can we stop? Like, he's like, no, I wanted to eat at one. And it's just so important for him to do things his way in his time. Mm -hmm. And so I think putting him into a structure where it's like, you can't look, you can't do Mm -hmm. this. You can't do that. You will be doing this. You will be home at this time. I think his spirit. So I think he was just open. He's open to being with somebody who trusted his own decision-making. I'm open to flirting. I'm open to going to dinners. I'm open to intellectual relationships. I'm open to um, desire from other people. So that's what's great about our alignment is I don't think what we're open to is offensive or puts the other person in a state where they wouldn't be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're open to flirting and I'm open to one night stands, we're not actually aligned, even though we both want an open relationship. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Seeing that journey, too, of your open relationship was like, I just love watching your evolution with everything. Mm-hmm. It's like so truthful and so cool. And I feel like it was such a powerful thing for so many people that are in open relationships and exploring and not wanting to put labels on it. And yeah, I do feel like there's a lot of people within our community, especially women that are looking to have threesomes or looking to Mm -hmm. just explore. Um, And you can be open to a threesome without being open to you having an individual relationship with another person that doesn't include me. What would you suggest? Have you worked with people that want to have threesomes? Like what has been that process? Like for supporting someone in their effort to want to have a threesome? Yeah, I think closing down the notion of the slippery slope. Yeah. That once you do that, then what else comes afterwards? The gateway Mm -hmm. drug. You can do that and then just do that. Yeah. For years and years and then decide to stop doing that or decide to add more to that. So not being afraid that saying yes to something is um, inadvertently saying yes to 20 other things that you're not comfortable with. So I think allowing that like that pressure to come off and just say, mm-hmm. if we both really want this experience, that we can really just lean into that and be open to how awesome this can be without trying to put restrictions out of fear of what could be or what might come next. I want to talk about just last thing, the, the suck it up factor that we were talking about. And mm. I think that's so... I think that's truly such a huge part about uh, that's been successful in our long-term relationship is really like not saying shit when it doesn't really matter to you. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so that when you do say shit, it, you know it's serious. And I feel like it's like, there's just so many opportunities that we have in relationship when you live together, when you, especially for you guys working together, when your parents, whatever, that you can say shit. Where it's like, oh, toilet seat's up again. Yeah. Da-da-da-da, all this stuff. And it's like, that just creates this tension that like, I make every decision or I make every opportunity mm-hmm. to try and make the decision that's going to create the most peace, but true peace. So I can be like, I can actually let this all go because there are things that are going to bother me that I can rightfully bring up. But just giving as much grace as possible and really just like, only saying shit when it really matters. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I refer to it as the shut the fuck up filter. Yeah, um, That's really what it is. That so much of your success in your relationships is not just based on communication and what you say, it's what you don't say. Yeah. Yeah. It's the things that you, because in every other relationship, we do this. Like how many of us do our moms know how we actually feel about them or feel about yeah. anything for pudding? Right. Like yes. you're like, I haven't liked that pudding since 95, yes. but I will go and eat it every Christmas because it's important to you and it mm-hmm. brings you joy. And maybe the honest truth is that like, I'm not into the consistency of it, but what makes me more happy is the light that you get in your eyes when you're like, made your favorite pudding. Right. Like, like, and that matters more, mm-hmm. you know, in a job setting, we don't tell our coworker like they, the way that they do this kind of rubs us the wrong way because it's more important that they, they just do that thing anyways. Yes. Um, and then knowing that there's not always, it's not always, the truth doesn't always set you free. Mm. Sometimes it actually puts, it, it, it can entrap somebody into feeling like they can't trust their own intuition anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it happens, especially in partnerships where if I'm always critical of what feels right for you, then you stop trusting your own gut and instinct. And then as a result of that, you don't feel like anything is truly yours anymore. Mm-hmm. So I I do think a big part of being in partnership, again, like I said, it's not just about communicating and what you say, it's um, putting 
giving your partner the grace of not subjecting them to every single thought yes, that you have. Yes. And I think it's also like bringing up every little thing is a way to make, in my experience, make me feel comfortable, you know? So it's like managing my environment and my experience so that I'm not dipping into zones of severe discomfort where I'm doing it the way another person would want to do it. Yes. And I've just noticed that moving in with him where I at first was like bringing up all these things and yeah, some things are important to me. And so much of that was me, one, like moving across the country, wanting the comforts and wanting to not feel like super disoriented. But I've learned so much more about him and myself through shutting the fuck up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most of the time. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of adopted that too, because yeah, it's just, you, you sense the surfaceness of when you bring up, so the dishes, so this, mm -hmm. so that it's like, what is this really about? Mm -hmm. And so if it gets to the point where I feel like it's festering, I'm like, okay, I have to check in with myself first before I like attack him. It's like, what is this really about? Is this about respect? Is this about whatever? So yeah, I just, I've been noticing that a lot, like my resistance to being uncomfortable in a way that's like probably good for me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm. And it's a fine balance because some mm -hmm. people are hearing this and it's very triggering for them yeah, because sure. if anything, like they want to express more in their relationships. Sure, they want sure. to be heard more in, in their relationships. And so, I mean, one of my favorite uh, experiments that I did in the game of desire was mm. the one where it was a, the agreeableness versus disagreeableness. And essentially this person went out on a date and agreed with everything their partner said. And then afterwards, the person didn't really feel a draw towards them because mm -hmm. you don't trust somebody who agrees with everything that you say. It's just not yes. possible that we have all the same opinions. And then they went on a date with someone, they disagree with everything the person said. And then the entire time you feel combative. Like I have to fight mm -hmm. for every single sentence, every nuance, mm -hmm. every, every detail. But the true magic was in disagreeing for half of the date and then agreeing for the second half. Mm. And then it was like a relief that somebody felt where there was like this beautiful arc to whether you connected, where now we got to a place where I've wow. won you over in many ways or that we've gone, come to an understanding. Mm. And so that to be said, I mean, you don't have to obviously be so clinical about it, but mm -hmm. there's a balance to be struck. Um, mm -hmm. I think what we all have in common here and the reason why we are entrepreneurs is mm -hmm. because we are very accustomed to expressing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in business, especially disagreeableness is a strong trait because it makes you a path paver. It makes you a thought leader because you're always like, well, what about if we did it my way instead? And that my way instead is the heart of entrepreneurialism. It's also the death of a lot of healthy relationships because mm -hmm. you're constantly fighting against and with your partner. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't need this advice if you have the opposite problem where you're a people pleaser. Sure. Then you need the speak yes. the fuck up filter. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it is very personal because mm -hmm. it's like I'm very, I'm not critical, but I'm just very like, oh, this could be better. This could be da, 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 da. And on my tombstone, they could write, this could be better. Oh, my same, dude. <laughs> it would be I accurate. will stay at five-star, $1,000 night hotels. And I'm like, oh, God, what is up with that painting? Yeah. <laughs> this could be better. Yeah, honestly, that's my favorite game, actually, on vacation. I'm like, this is amazing, but this could be better and how. Yeah. Like, I love this could be better. But yeah, I completely agree. Subjecting a person to that, though. Oh, 100. Ooh, miserable yeah. life. Torturous, yeah. And you think about my... Psyche into insight into my psyche. This could be better. <laughs> imagine, imagine an internal dialogue with myself. Um, what are you excited about right now? 
oh, I have a podcast yes. out coming out. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but mm-hmm. um, as like I said, in the making since 2006. Yes. Before podcasts were a thing. Yes. Have um, you never had one? No. What? Yeah, I've never had a podcast. Every time we've like seen you're... you, it's coming out. I know. <laughs> I love you. That's what I'm saying. It's been in the making for a long time. I mean, time. let's give credit to like your incredibly successful YouTube I mean, and shows. Oh, and thank you. TV yes. shows. I mean, it's well, on I wouldn't be here if I wasn't popping. It's yeah. a popping pop podcast. You, know? <laughs> you guys only have the best on here. Yes. Um, so I'm excited about that because I'm just excited for, um, it actually was, uh, I'm going back to school. I'm in school right now. I'm actually only finishing my degree right now. Wow. I got a diploma in my early 20s and then I, and I graduated college and then ever since then just did certifications and associates. And then now I was like, I kind of want to go for like my doctorate. And so I got to this point because I'm finishing uh, my degree next month of like, do I want to do, what do I want to become next? And it was a really great question for me because I was like, do I want to become a marriage and family therapist? And I was going for that mm. for a while, but then I was like, my thing in life, I am a professional thinker and a professional questioner. I don't want to be a practitioner mm-hmm. because the responsibility of somebody who is, you know, somebody's individual uh, health and their mm-hmm. mental health is dependent on the way that I interact with them. is necessarily how I think I can best service the world. Mm-hmm. How I best service the world, I think, is like being a thought starter mm-hmm. and being somebody who questions. And mm-hmm. so- I look at the podcast as an opportunity to do that, to like mm-hmm. put out these thought starters in the world, to start interesting dialogues with people that they can then take away and say, how does that apply and not apply to my life? Mm-hmm. Not in a prescriptive way, mm-hmm. um, but just in like, huh, that's interesting. What does that mean to me kind of way? I don't think I have that really anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of pressure on the shows I've done, even in the past as an expert, it is very like prescriptive mm-hmm. of like, what do you, what are, what are you telling me to do? And I don't know, I don't, I don't want to tell people what to do. I just want to talk to them. Mm-hmm. I think the podcast has given me that freedom to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to crush lovers For and friends. Sure. On serious, right? Yes. <laughs> what? I was going to ask you about <laughs> yes. your degree too, Promote because your last friends. time we were talking about that and I was wondering how that was going. And I was, yeah. Cause I remember you being like, I want to be more legitimate. Like, yeah. I want to be more. Yeah. It's a pattern. You want to be more legitimate. This could be better, bitch. I know. This could be better. <laughs> this could be better. Ah, and that applies that's our to new me. Podcast, yeah. literally. This could be better. Damn. All right. We love you. There's Thank two more episodes um, with Shan you guys can listen to. And then Lovers and Friends is out now on Sirius. Two more episodes. Am I staying more? We know no, you've no. been on two you've other been episodes. On. What do you mean? Live show and at our old oh, studios. Oh, I'm like, are we staying? Let, let me know. know. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> You're like, I need to pump. Yes. You're like, my titties are. <laughs> All right. We love you. We love you. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Shan, a dear friend. You can go to shanboodrum.com. That's S H A N. B-O-O-D-R-A-M.com. And you can find her on socials at Shan Booty. Yes. And for those of you asking, we've gotten so many questions about camp coming up and membership opening. So Camp Almost 30 is happening on July 24th from 9.30 to 3.30 p.m. PST. You guys, this is like the most alive, electric, amazing event of the year. Uh, Krista and I, when we first did Camp Almost 30, just looked at each other by the end and we're like, what yes. just happened. And this one is just the lineup is, you will never ever find these people together again. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like Lindsay said, it's kind of like a masterclass for an entire day. Different workshops on all topics that you guys love if you're listening to the show and it's free. Mm-hmm. So Camp Almost 30, July 24th, 
check out almost30.com. You can register there. Make sure you register because we're going to have to put a cap on it. We have thousands of people registered and mm-hmm. Zoom can only hold so many. So make sure you register. And then after that, we're going to be opening up our membership for enrollment. We only have membership enrollment happening twice a year. We like to keep the container for six months really, really sacred. So it's not happening again until 2022. So if you're interested in being a member, you want to get extra bonus content, episodes, discounts, giveaways, workshops, all of that amazing stuff that we can provide, we would love to have you. Yeah. Every single month. And we've just talked to so many of you in their membership now, um, who are just staying with us and just feeling like every month, the value that you get in each Mm -hmm. month is just really unparalleled. So really proud of that. You know, membership is something that we've been wanting to do for a while now. So it's feeling really good to pour into all of you. So stay tuned. That will be opening uh, at the end of July. You can go to almost30.com slash camp to sign up and just visit Almost 30 for all of our offerings, sign up for our newsletter, and we have programs and courses for you. Yep. We'll see you on the next one. Love you. Love you. Love you.